This is from the International Common Law Court of Justice, which for many years has led the campaign to prosecute crimes against humanity by church and state around the world. King Charles's abdication looms closer as the Common Law Court deputizes British police to arrest him as a convicted felon. Crown and church officials will name more names in return for clemency as the court authorizes citizens to seize crown assets. And here are the details from London and Vancouver. In the wake of a November 20th court verdict that found him guilty of ordering the murder of Canadian Indigenous elder William Coombs, Charles Mountbatten-Windsor faces arrest under international law and new pressure on him to abdicate his throne. That pressure intensified today when the International Common Law Court of Justice deputized British police to detain and jail Charles as a convicted felon. In response, Crown and Church officials convicted with Charles have offered to name others involved in the criminal conspiracy in exchange for clemency from the court. Sources indicate that one of those making the offer is Charles' own security advisor, Major Johnny Thompson, who executed his kill order against William Coombs in February 2011. Along with Charles, Thompson was sentenced to life imprisonment without parole by the Common Law Court on November 20th, and the full details of that evidence are found at murderbydecree.com under ITCCS Updates, November 20th posting. Now, these remarkable events have sparked a renewed effort by many people, including British royals themselves, to force Charles to abdicate his throne to avoid a political crisis that could threaten the monarchy itself. According to a source in London, quote, people are calling Charles Windsor Britain's Ratzinger after the Pope whose child sex scandals nearly brought down the Vatican and who had to resign to save the institution and protect other perpetrators. The Jimmy Savile connection was bad enough. Now Charles Windsor has proven blood on his hands, and that blood doesn't stop at just one Canadian Indian." Unquote. And in that regard, more evidence has been submitted to the court that links Charles and Major Thompson to last year's murder of 10 Cree Indigenous people in Saskatchewan in league with the Crown-affiliated Rio Tinto Mining Company. Meanwhile, the court has authorized citizens of all Commonwealth nations to invoke Section 61 of Magna Carta and seize Crown lands, wealth, and properties because of these criminal offenses by Charles Mountbatten-Windsor. According to Kevin Annett, a co-convenor of the Republic of Canada, which has replaced the criminal authority of the Crown in Canada, quote, Common law and our constitutional history are clear. When a monarch violates the rights and lives of the people and is convicted of criminality, Crown authority is nullified and can be lawfully overthrown. And in that regard, this indictment and conviction is not just about Charles Mountbatten-Windsor and his arranged murder of William Coombs. It's about also the murder of Harriet Nahani and Johnny Bingo Dawson and three of my Port Alberti parishioners, Mark Angus, Crystal Lynn, and John Sargent, all of whom discovered something called the 12 Mile Club, an ongoing child trafficking and murder network operating off the west coast of Canada, involving many United Church ministers, the very men who had me thrown out of my, my church and destroy my life, men like Brian Thorpe and John Jessamon, Phil Spencer, Foster Freed, former government minister John Kishore, former Attorney General Ujel Dessange, all of these men involved in destroying the lives of these people and my life. Well, don't forget we have the alternative now, not just within the Republic of Canada, but with our own common law courts based on that Republic sovereignty. We are planning organizing classes, training workshops on how to conduct these citizen arrests and reclaim the territory and the land of these convicted 
felonious actors of church and state. We'll be conducting those training programs now and in January. Contact us, Republic National Council at protonmail.com to be involved. Join the Republic, republicofcanada.org, and disaffiliate from these genocidal bodies. And stand by for direct actions occurring Christmas Eve, December 24th, the anniversary of the murder of Maisie Shaw that was witnessed by Harriet Nahani, who was herself killed for that knowledge. This is about a simple crime, mass murder of over 60,000 children, an ongoing crime, and the murder of anyone who witnessed or protested that. And the other action, of course, to remember the anniversary of the founding of the Republic, January 15th. There'll be much more posted at republicofcanada.org under breaking news, murderbydecree.com under ITCCS updates. Stand by for more. This is Kevin Annett, Eagle Strong Voice. Hi, everyone. It's Kevin Annett, Eagle Strong Voice, and we're back as always. It's December 11th. This is Here We Stand, the voice of the Republic and the Resistance, being here for eight years broadcasting live. And today, there's another interview between Owen Lucas and I, Owen from Ireland, involved in our Global Republic Alliance movement. And it's going to be a kind of a hashing over what's gone on in Saskatchewan, the mass murder of Native people there, which is, of course, not unusual. In that part of eastern Saskatchewan, it was the biggest and oldest concentration of the death camps they call Indian residential schools. And we're going to be talking today about the cover-up of that murder, who was behind it, Big Mining, Rio Tinto, the Anglican Church, the Crown of England, all the usual gang of thieves. But before that, I wanted to just, as an intro to that, remind folks that you know, this program, is, I often say, is for those people who just can't live alongside a system with the blood of others on its hands, and we have to do more than talk. We have to uproot that system and end it. But don't worry so much about how to do it, because how comes in the doing, the knowledge of that. We just know that we have to do it. And there's an old saying that I love, which is, the best education is a black eye. You know, we can learn things in the abstract, but when it affects us personally, then we know the nature of what we're up against. And I was thinking of that because one of the dates I want to remind you of, of course, is this coming February the 9th, is the 25th anniversary of the launching of our campaign about genocide in residential schools. It started at a public forum, the first one ever held in Vancouver, that I helped sponsor with survivors, February 9th, 1998, in downtown Vancouver at the Salmon Fraser Harbor Center. And... For the first time, people began to get up and talk about these crimes. Well, we're going to commemorate that this year, of course, with another teaching and gathering there and in other places to commemorate that 25th anniversary and all of that, that what the campaign has achieved. But what was interesting was a few months after that was an even more momentous event, the first tribunal into residential schools that we helped organize in the east part of Vancouver. And speaking of getting an education from a black guy, I learned very quickly about what we're up against because a hand grasped my throat and forced me into a corner the first day of the tribunal, June 12, 1998. The hand belonged to a big native goon called Dean Wilson who informed me that, quote, Chief Ed John doesn't want you talking about murdered residential kids. And he shoved me against the wall and left. Well, that's uh, very apropos for the discussion today, because the Native Puffet Chiefs are still doing that for their own profit. We're going to be talking about that, how it's the genocide and the Native elite collaboration in that genocide is as strong as ever for big bucks. The other thing I want to flag, too, is that on the front page of the Globe and Mail, April 24, 2007, they finally admitted that half the children died. But what was interesting, that article by Bill Curry of the 
Globe and Mail reporter who interviewed me, his original article had my discussion of the 22 mass graves we had documented, but then there was no mention of that in the Globe and Mail article. It had been edited out, and I asked Bill Curry why, and he said, well, the usual pressure from the feds. Who do you think? So it's not like the system didn't know about mass graves all along. They're the ones who dug the graves. But there's this mind fog that happens, as is still going on. It wasn't. It took another 13 years for the system to admit that, yeah, there are mass graves, after they had dug up most of those graves and destroyed the evidence. So we see the same thing happening, but our response is the same as well. We don't let this lie. We fight to the end on this, and the... What are part of our response to the latest killings in Saskatchewan and the cover-up for big money again is the citizens there and Native people and non-Native together have united into a citizen's inquiry into that murder. And we're helping to convene that as a grand jury. There's going to be more discussion of that over the next few weeks on the show, so please tune in for that. Write to Republic National Council at ProtonMail.com. Follow our work, MurderByDecree.com. And, of course, another date to remember is January 15th, the 8th anniversary of the launching of the Republic of Canada and the common law court case last year that gives you the warrants to shut down Big Pharma, their poisonous drugs, and all the actors in genocide. So find out more of that, murderbydecree.com, under ITCCS updates. Just go to the January 15th posting, and you can get all those writs and start shutting down the system and occupying the buildings of the people responsible. Now, we are already doing that in conjunction with our Native allies, and there will be more of that soon. So here's the interview today with Owen and I. Enjoy. Stay strong. Stay clear. We'll see you live next week. Hi, Owen. Hi, Kevin. Good evening. Wow. How's it going? Amazing. Well, we've been handed a textbook case of how you commit a crime, how you cover it up by the three-headed beast we talk about, big money, church, and state. Happen again. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if, if a good place to start with this one is, is to just, uh, if, if you gave us five minutes or so of, of background info, because the background info is many churches have been burned right so am i right in saying that the the native population how do we call it do we, are we okay with the word indigenous the indigenous population of north america is on the march and they're they're active and they're assertive and they're really pushing pushing the docket so to speak so is is that part of what we're going to talk about here with this um this massacre uh an attempt to to quell the uprising absolutely that's exactly what's going on. There's, of course, more to it than that. Um, but that's happening right now in the same way that if you remember the trucker convoy that happened, this mass spontaneous revolt across Canada resulted in the Emergency Powers Act being invoked for the first time in Canadian history by Trudeau. And this uh, public safety minister, his name's Marco Mendocino, he's another guy who showed up at the Cree massacre site, right? So, yeah, it's all tying in and it's a way that they try to scare people, right? So um, just some background on all of that. Um, it's been building for years, of course, and partly sparked by the movement we did just to expose the genocide. Uh, but recently, again, it, it, it involves around this uh, big actor called Rio Tinto. Rio it's, Tinto. It's one of the biggest mining companies in the world. It's the most profitable, and it's a criminal body. Uh, it was started actually in the 1800s. Uh, England, but had strong Nazi ties, uh, you know, like a lot of these corporations, and to the British crown. 
the uh, Elizabeth Windsor's personal wealth went from a 300 million pounds when she came into office to over 17 billion. And the reason was she was a major investor in the arms industry, uranium mining and Rio Tinto. And, um, and so Rio Tinto discovers a huge diamond deposit in eastern Saskatchewan. Now, this has always been a hot zone for the genocide. There were over uh, a dozen residential schools in that area, these death camps. And do you remember that clip we have of that woman, Irene Fable, a Native woman, describing a baby being thrown into an oven, when it, a yeah. newborn baby? Yeah. That happened right near where uh, this, this, this recent crime happened. Uh, it's called the James Smith Cree Reservation. It's in eastern Saskatchewan. The, um, uh, they, they, a few years ago, they found uh, Rio Tinto uh, discovered a $3 billion diamond deposit there. And so they immediately applied for licensing. The government, of course, helped them. The James Smith Cree Band immediately opposed it because, you know, they, they know what it does. Gold mining in the area would have strip mined the whole area. They opposed it, especially this guy called Chief Wally Burns. Well, his opposition put the whole thing on hold. And then suddenly, that was in the summer, September 6th, six of his ten family, six of his family members are killed, along with four other people, a total of 10 people massacred in one evening by apparently one man with a knife. Well, first of all, you've got to be a, a professional to sneak into all these homes and kill people in silence, 10 all in one night. But they pinned it on this, this uh, drifter called Miles Sanderson. And uh, they said it was one guy who did it. The Mounties arrested him, and then he dies conveniently in prison. You know, kind of Lee Harvey Oswald scenario, right? Right. Um, and he apparently had his brother, uh, Damien, apparently assisted him, but he's also found dead in a field, right? So then they call in the coroner to look into this. The coroner is a guy c- called Clive Weighill, who himself has the blood of Native people on his hand because he used to be the Saskatoon police chief who during the whole period where they were the, the, like in Vancouver, they called them starlight tours. They grab native people and in the middle of the night, in the middle of winter, take them out, dump them on the prairies with their, their clothes and they freeze to death. Well, he oversaw the cover up of that. He might've been directly involved in that. Now he's the chief coroner investigating the recent murder of natives, right? Plus the big payoff came in, uh, you know, the governor general, the prime minister uh, Trudeau and our good buddy, uh, Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, you know, uh, they all show up and they right. do the big song and dance, the crocodile tears, tears, $63.5 million is then handed to the surviving members of the band council. And you know, Trudeau's, Trudeau's handing that over individually. He's, he's putting his face to this situation. They all showed up. Uh, Mary Simon, governor general, head of state, uh, Justin Trudeau showed up. Uh, last week a number of times but last week he showed up again they had the typical kind of you know we're so sorry about all this and then he announced 63 and a half million dollars they were you know presenting to the band so it's the usual kind of payoff scenario and now the mining operation is going ahead so i mean it's it's that old um it's so blatant this is the thing on it's just so amazingly blatant they operate with impunity and they figure people are too dumb or ignorant to to know what's going on right it, it seems classic right this is textbook we've got uh, yeah. uh resources primary resources natural resources we've got uh, indigenous native people uh, on the area and there's uh mass murder 
with which to clear these uh, innocent people of the land off. And and because yeah. um, there's latent racism in Canada, stop me if I'm I'm, I'm wrong with that. It, it's it's in inverted commas much easier to. Uh, make the problem go away with a bit of hush money here with um, a jury. Well, this is a bit I was going to ask you about, Kevin. The, the jury of this situation is only of native people. Well, oh, that's the other thing. Uh, Clive Weekell, um, the, the cover-up of, of, mur- of, of the mur- systematic murder of natives by Saskatoon police, uh, he said it was going to be all native jury, which you can't do under the law. You can't um, stack a jury like that with one one group. Uh, it's against the rule of law going back centuries. Uh, by native people, he means their crony puppet band council members who are okay. going to bring in the clean verdict, right? That Apples. was just a lone, lone gunman, right? Um, but the interesting thing, too, is I find the Crown response. These are the three top officials of the Crown Church and State in Canada. Uh, Justin Welby played that big role. In, do you remember when we did the dig at the Mohawk Anglican School in Brantford? He put in a direct order to the uh, primate Fred Hiltz and Bishop Bob Bennett to destroy all evidence in the mush hole that might implicate the royal family. Okay, because we know they and the Dutch royals were coming there all the time, taking kids away. He played a direct role in that. There's a standing arrest order order against him and Trudeau and all of these people. They're wanted felons and they're showing up again like a dirty sock at the scene of the crime. Right. It's it's a it's a it's a mafioso situation, right? So so the, the the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, are, are the hit squad. Your 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 quote as well was a corporate death squad operation, right? Right. And and so so these these characters, you know, with with the the crown badges or the church emblems or logos, whatever you want to say, they they're sent in to do the dirty work so that these uh, corporate profits can be shared and pilfered and stolen. Uh, murderously uh, across right. the Atlantic, right across the ocean, over over here in in uh, in Europe, right by these now, aristocrats. Of it's, it, it's bigger than all that too. It isn't just one corporation for money. It's a whole system at work now, and it isn't simply racism. I don't think racism has a lot to do with it. It's systemic genocide. That means that um, they want to eliminate anyone on the land, whether it's native or non-native. The the whole twenty thirty agenda is to destroy anybody who's traditional people living on their land. So that's part of the the systemic agenda here. But it's also that, um, you know, the crown and China, that's the other thing. Rio Tinto is closely connected to China, uh, heavily invested in China and all that. Um, It's just a machine at work. It's this machine that keeps eating up the land and the resources and the people and anybody in their way. They don't you see, they don't abide by any – the way it used to be is they would they would do these gestures and, and pay lip service to the law and democracy. They don't anymore. They don't have to because it, it, it's what we talk about when we say it's a corporatocracy. So they know they can legally get away with all of this. It's stacked. But the question now is what we do. And our response is, I should tell you, um, we've already got people in Saskatchewan gathering more evidence about all this. And um, we are – planning in the new year a grand jury investigation we're going to convene it under the authority of the republic uh subpoena people and hopefully bring about a criminal court that's going to lay charges against all of them and the power in this is that we've got a lot of indigenous support in that area as well and with indigenous people they wait for the right moment because if they surface too soon they get killed as was just demonstrated right but at the right moment a lot of eyewitnesses will come forward and it's harder 
politically in Canada when Native people are doing something to, uh, you know, to, 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 you know, marginalize it right away because, you know, it's, it's, they don't quite have their system in total place yet. They still are uncertain. I think that's why they're forced to do these extreme actions because they are uncertain, right? This, this is my point with the, with the latent racism, right? The, 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 I, I lived in Australia for a while. I think it's pretty similar. There's a, there's a two tier, uh, society going on, right? So, oh, yeah. so in, in order for, you know, we're talking about here about the, the sort of momentum of, of we the people. Well, well, there's a divide, right? A split with that. And, and so in, in order to get, you know, um, gra- grassroots support, it's, it's difficult to get the European white Canadian population, uh, caring, interested, Etc. Yeah. Because it's connected with with the native population, right? And and is there a way? Is there a way for for this to change? For for the oh yeah, it's it's changing. That's the point. It, it it's it's like all those truckers and all the people. Their main trucker okay. leaders are all still in jail. The very guy who threw them in jail is also helping cover up the Cree massacre. Uh, it's been the law that you can't refuse a shot in the arm since 1874 for an Indian. Now it's happening to everybody. It's like what we've talked about. That it's like what I experienced when I was minister in Port Alberni when we opened a food bank. Right. The very native people who and the whites who are attacking the natives over the logging and all that over fishing. Suddenly, they're standing together in the in the uh, food bank line together. That kind of commonality of poverty, and they began to see, yeah, okay, this system's hitting all of us. So circumstances cause people to see that the material circumstances are in, but. They do a lot of brain fog to get people still fighting each other and afraid of each other. Uh, no better example than in America, what's going on now. But but Canada, it's the, the thing is, the country is so big, people think in a very localized way because of it. And so people say, well, Saskatchewan, what does that have to do with us? You know, because they're thousands of miles away, right? Often. But I mean, it, it, it. nevertheless, it's the same system regardless of where it is, right? Yeah. Saskatchewan is very central, right? So you got British Columbia, West Coast, then Alberta, then Saskatchewan, right in the middle. Saskatchewan, it's right in the middle, next to Manitoba, where I'm from, and, and, and uh, very rich you know, in terms of natural resources and very sparsely oh, populated, right? All the uranium that the yep. U.S. used in depleted uranium—it's all from northern Saskatchewan. Uh, that whole area is rich in in resources. That's why the bigger agenda. China is is working through Rio Tinto wedged to get in there and then grab all of that uranium. And so, yeah, you've got to have the native population cowed and crushed and they send these messages to people. We're going to kill all of you 10 in one evening, you know, if you, if you resist this mining company. And so it was a message to them as well, but don't forget too, there's that number 10 again. And Justin Welby involved in the ninth circle satanic cult, 10 children in Kamloops, 10 murders. You know, again, these aren't accidental, whether it's real or not. They're sending a message to people, you know, be, be, be very afraid of us, right? And, and it, was a, it was a hit job on the same night, and all these uh, murders happened. And, and they're trying to picture that, that one guy with a knife was able to, you know, go around the houses and, and do that with his brother. Who's now is, dead. Is that... now dead, right? Uh, right. Yeah, just just then... like yeah, Patsy, like Lee Harvey Oswald, exactly as you say. Well, and the other thing is they had a quick... Uh, they kept the, the autopsies secret, of course, and then they quickly buried them in the Anglican Church cemetery, you know, under church control. Uh, I mean, it's just one thing after another. But if people don't know the history and what they're dealing with, then, it, you know, they get they don't understand what's going on when they look at all these different pieces. Right. So so with, with zero without an autopsy, uh, quick as a flash, buried and gone. The usual. 
Um, now, but, but don't forget, in a, in a grand jury investigation, if we get other coroners on side, they have the right to issue a coroner's warrant, which means you have the right to disinter graves and okay. examine remains. That's what we tried to. We almost did that at Brantford. We had a coroner, uh, chief coroner on board, uh, a guy called Greg Olson uh, from the Ontario um, you know, coroner's office. He was ready to bring in a coroner's warrant. And then he writes me, uh, and, you know, I got to talk to you. And he says, I've been called off the case. I'm not allowed to be involved in the mushroom investigation anymore. I mean, they, you know, they shut it down quick, which is why you have to move in quick and get this evidence, you know, before they shut it down, right? But it's it's uh, it's spineless, right? To to play the chain of command card. I can't do it because somebody above me said I can't do it, right? Well, it, it, it's amazing, you know, and, and this is, of course, the bigger issue. Like, why so many people give into that fear when you know stepping back a bit, they realize, well, hell, look at what's happening to everybody now. We could be next. Don't we have an interest, even a self-interest, in resisting this criminal system, right? And in January, then, we've got this uh, grand jury that, that's uh, revving up, that, that's building momentum. Is, is this going to be – I was thinking of prior to, to talking to you today, wouldn't it be great if, if there was um, an option to, to see it from all over the world, you know, to, to film it and have it online so, so that it, it could sort of be a template, a role model situation for other common law assemblies, you know, elsewhere around the world? Yeah. Absolutely. Again, that's always the idea. But, you know, it, on the ground, when pe- when you move beyond talking to actually trying to do this, it is not only hitting a brick wall, the brick wall comes down on you. Uh, anyone who tries this gets immediately targeted. It's why we operate in a very small, decentralized way, appearing now and then. It, we're, it, it forces you in, into an underground way of operating. And so most people don't see it. You know, they say, well, you know, let's see these people doing it. Okay, if we show you who's doing it, they'll be dead or or scared away tomorrow, right? Okay. So it, it's you're kind of in a catch twenty two, but it, that's why I always say to people, look at the result. I mean, we we know Ratzinger stepped down. We know all of this is happening directly because of people doing this kind of work. So you know, it's it it has a payoff, but it doesn't happen in the usual way people would like or that they expect, right? Yeah. It's it's a it's a chipping away at it, right? You know the right the the reputation, if you like, or the the perception power of these forces reduces every time they they throw one of these uh, stunts, right? Yeah, and you know people do gradually learn, and I mean it's but the memory, you know, that's the 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 issue. I think in the last interview we talked about the technology is outpacing people's consciousness. Uh, and the ability to control perception and minds even. Um, and, but so that's why one of the, the, the good weapons we use is humor all the time. So like when I'm giving talks, I'm going to do a piece soon and do a, a, a public talk about uh, a tale of two killers, the Clive and Larry show. So we got Clive Weekell and Larry Campbell, both coroners, one in Vancouver, one in Saskatoon, um, started out as Mounties, both of them. Um, then uh, became the coroner, covering up crimes. Larry Campbell uh, covered up the missing women in Vancouver year after year as coroner. Then he gets appointed to the Senate. He's sitting there in the Canadian Senate. I'm sure Clive Wickel will get a similar reward after. But it's the same pattern. They they always make sure the coroner is compromised so he can be totally manipulated, right, and is actively involved in these crimes himself, right? Yeah, and, and it's, it's almost uh... – 
uh, a slap in the face inversion where where they get promoted to to say to everybody else hey we've we've got your back you know we we have total control and power if if you if the, the heat comes on we you'll be fine we'll we'll even make your life better because of it well what was the name of that general uh, at 911 he was responsible for air security over washington and after the cruise missile or whatever it was went into the pentagon he gets promoted <laughs> similarly, don't you think he would be demoted <laughs> similarly with the uh the, the movie spotlight where the the boston oh, yeah. uh globe are investigating all the the catholic church uh abuses cardinal law once that whole thing blows up and gets exposed he he ends up uh in the vatican um on a on a higher tier on a higher rung of the ladder well, the, the two guys that uh, torpedoed me in Port Alberni, uh, Phil Spencer and uh, Foster Freed, they were my friends and they helped set me up for, you know, my destruction. And they both got elevated right after that. Uh, Foster became head of BC Conference of the Church and Phil uh, head of all pastoral relations, which is funny, right? Um, <laughs> in the church. So the system always rewards their own, right? But yeah. most people don't see it and they don't make that connection, right? Yeah, and and one of the one of the uh, one of the, t- the points of it is is to to hit you psychologically as well, right? Oh, the, the, totally. The, the, I mean, the, and they hit you through the people who you're closest to, and it's right. amazing how often that works. Your own wife, your own your own children, um, you know. Yeah. It, I don't like the saying "everybody's got a price," but it seems to be almost true with almost everybody that there's a point at which you can reach people where. They bite the bullet, and then they don't want to be reminded of you. They actually end up hating you, even though they help crush you. You always hate the one that you've harmed as your psychological defense against looking at your own action, right? Yeah, it's all energetics, all energetics. Yeah, yeah. Can, yeah. can we get a few more details about the um, the, the churches burning in, in Canada? Oh, yeah. That's because for me, this seems very intrinsically connected to what we're talking about here, right? That there seems like there's some sort of – you know, under the radar proxy war going on, whereby, you know, we don't hear about it, of course, because the mainstream media is is wrapped up and bought and paid for. But there's yeah. this uh, attack on the church, churches, by the the native population in retaliation for the, your quote is, ongoing genocide, right? Well, yeah, and that's been an old tactic. I mean, if you look at murderbydecree.com and read through the history of these death camps, you know, there'll be letters from the 1920s say, you know, the, bur- the the schools burned down again because of the natives. So it was a common tactic going back a long time for native people. One of the only ways they could fight back is you just burn down the place. Right. Because, you know, the same thing happened in Chile. Do you remember a few years ago, Bergoglio went to Chile. He was all angry. And as a matter of fact, when he was Pope Francis was besieged in the papal palace in San Diego, big protesters wouldn't let him out. Because the Mapuche Indians, their children had been grabbed and, and trafficked through the local Catholic churches. So first thing they do is they burn down the church. There was like 22 churches burned all over Chile, which was seen as, quote, a loyal Catholic nation like Ireland, right? Yet, you know, that's getting burned. Same pattern in Canada, in, in Canada, uh, historically. And it started to spike after COVID and after more of our work began to circulate in the grassroots. And that's how it, it's like watching grass grow up. I mean, if you look at the official level, all of our stuff is censored out. And yet 
you know, I'll get emails. I just got one the other day from a woman who is the daughter of two of these old survivors I had interviewed 20 years ago. And she said, I share your stuff everywhere and everyone knows about you and we, but we can't talk about you. The chief comes down on us. Right. I mean, that's a common remark in the native world. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's everywhere and yet you don't see it. It's, it's like that underground, you know, reality. And, and Welby turns up again. You know, this is, we're talking about Catholic Church stuff right now, but, but Welby isn't even Catholic Church, right? And, and Same thing. I, I, in your video, there's the, the quote you used, I think he, he prostrated himself. Yeah, he did this big, you know, when he, first of all, it happened September 6th, the mass murder. Uh, and by the next week, the governor general is giving her platitudes and everything. They don't react right away. It's only when the mining operation is plans to go through there's confirmation that the deals are signed and it's going through then they big there do the start the the big song and dance he uh welby got out publicly and lay on the ground with this head down and his hands out prostrating himself asking for forgiveness now here's the thing that's a really interesting clue why is the anglican anglican church asking the natives for forgiveness as if they did it yeah. It's kind of like this the subconscious admission. Yeah, we did do it because we're tied into Rio Tinto and and we've done it in the residential school hospitals and death camps. So why wouldn't we uh why wouldn't we do it here? It's kind of like his his they admit it, right? They admit it, but in their own way where they think they can control it, right? Like Sun Tzu says, right? Yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't it make much more sense for him to just shut up and stay well away from it all? You'd think. But not if they're worried and they feel they have to cover themselves. And that's how they're operating because, you know, they're not quite sure about all this stuff and uh, yeah, how it might appear. They're also not sure about the natives because the, the bank councils have no credibility among native people. I mean, they have the formal power in that, but look at one of their own guys opposed to mining chief Wally Burns. And then six of his relatives are murdered. Uh, that's a, that's a clear warning. We see that all over the native world. People I used to work with out on the West coast that get involved in our campaign and boom, child services would come in and take all their kids. So this is a more blatant example, but they said to Wally, look, you'll be next. We just killed 60 relatives. And of course it was a professional operation. There were corporate contractors. You know, these contractors are hired by everybody. They, they go out and kill and threaten and, and do it efficiently. Who else but an efficient hitman would be able to do that in one evening. Right. Right. They, they they use the authorities that we pay taxes for to, you know, abduct the children, uh, tear up the land for the resources, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, you know, it's, it's getting to this, this point, this, this tipping point, this critical mass number whereby we, we start giving a shit about each other on, on, you know, on a, a community scale or on, on a, you know, international scale. And, and that, you know, just, just in in uh, in the Canada situation, that you know, white European people start getting interested in in native indigenous uh, issues and incidents and murders and crimes, you know, and 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 then then you start um, then you start isolating the the culprits, you know, the RCMP, right. And then, and then you start looking at the crown. So we got this Mary Simon woman again, who's uh, what she governor general, right? Who answers to the crown and sits above the whole representative sham of of the Canadian Parliament and and governmental system. Yeah, well, and, here's the thing: she's all over this as well, right? She's a formal head of state. She's officially native. They put a native woman in 
you know, another hand puppet. But that uh, way absolutely. people can say, people can say, oh, well, one of the natives are the actual head of state. They can't be against natives. Okay. You know, I mean, it's a classic, you know, uh, they call it uh, redwashing in the corporate world. You put a native person, you know, board of directors, if you're going to log off the forest, and then the environmental protesters can't take on a native. Isn't it? I mean, it's 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 a brilliant way to, to control everybody, right? You, you see it all over the place. You, you know, Obama springs to mind, right? He's a child trafficking pimp from Chicago, but because he's the first black president, you know, hooray, celebrates. You know, there's there's uh, a guy with a, a skin tint pigment difference, <laughs> so that means everything's great and everything's fine and dandy in terms of you know our system on the free world, right? Well, it's it's milking liberal white guilt. And the point is, and I remember one of the native guys uh, said, Kev, one of the reasons I like you is you always call, call us for our bullshit when you see it. You know, like white people are always thinking what native people can do no wrong. That's our way of, uh, you know, trying to make up for our history of genocide. But don't forget, the first slaves in North America, in America, weren't black at all. They were street kids from London. In the 1600s, they'd scoop up all these poor people and ship them over to the uh, Jamestown and the Virginia plantations, and they'd die at a huge rate. And they were indentured slaves for seven years. Uh, you know, so it was the same system. And then later they brought over blacks. They had Aboriginal slaves. So this affects all quote races. And you know, it, it and, and and so people know that after a while working on the ground that you can't let them play the race card on us. It's bullshit, right? Yeah, it, yeah the, it, it's about they categorize people, right? And and, they, and then they they vilify one category against the other, and they pitch against once again the divide and rule, etc. Et when you know, I was making some notes before we came on, it's it's about psychopathy, right? It, we we get to mm-hmm. the energetic level quite regularly in our discussions, and and you got yeah. your three main uh, characteristics of of psychopathy: exploitation, you know, zero empathy, you don't give a shit about anybody, and concealment which is the big one right so you know back to the rcmp these royal canadian mounted police they're wearing these you know uniforms they've gone on the tv shows due south or due north or whatever it's called and they're and they're, they're looking like they're noble and brave and you know <laughs> and and they're a bunch of mafioso murderous bastards right no offense well to that's why i say to them whenever the the mounties uh there was a mounties stopped me the other day no, none. It was the other month, actually. And uh, uh, he looked at my driver's <laughs> Are you Kevin Annett? Oh, you're Kevin Annett, he said, right? And I said, yeah. And he and he gave me a little wink and he said, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> like, these guys know. And some of the junior guys, especially, they're they're quite approachable or on board. But I remember um, I went to a meeting once. It was uh, a few years ago, one of the native Mounties, uh, female, not native, one of the female Mounties sued the RCMP for rape on the job. A lot of female, like nuns, a lot of them get raped, right? Um, and it started, a, uh, it started a whole big movement, lawsuits across the country. So I went to a meeting. There were about two dozen off-duty Mounties there. And they were all, they all had a lot of complaints and, and everything about the, the RCMP bosses. And uh, they began to tell me stories about they had to look the other way of the the drug trafficking and the gun uh, trafficking that went on the hell's angels uh, motorcycle gang or business partners with the higher level of the RCMP and the drug trade. 
Uh, I mean, anyone knows that when you when you go downtown and look at how the drugs are being dealt right on the front steps of the Vancouver police and the RCMP, right? Um, and and so these guys who are caught in it, it's like anybody, they all know what's going on, but what do you do? Where's the alternative? So I say, hey, guys, you know, time for the republic. Disavow your oath of allegiance to the crown. Take the oath to the people. And this is what they're worried about, right? This alternative in place. And we've talked about that before. You need this alternative for people to join. Otherwise, they're caught in the system, right? Yeah. And, and this whole COVID situation has has created these these percep- perceptional question marks for a lot of people. They, they see all this evidence. They, they see masses of evidence about how um, there's, there's crimes being committed. There's, um, you know, fast ones being pulled. The wool being pulled over the eyes, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they're saying, so, so who's, who's, who's going to stop this, right? Where's the, um, the regulatory bodies that we pay our tax money for to, to look after us, to care for us, to prevent, you know, these corporate criminals and these institutional, uh, crimes being, being committed. And so they're, they're looking around and they're thinking to themselves, well, the police aren't doing anything. Well, the, no. the, the legal fraternity is, isn't doing anything. You know, who, who, who is doing anything? Do, do I, do I live in a, in an environment where, uh, you know, I'm safe or, or is it actually as people have been, you know, the, the crazy conspiracists have, have been saying for, for so long that I live in a, you know, a, ma- a mafioso, uh, right. what was your quote? Uh, death squad oper- operation uh, environment, and they, well, they're seeing it. And you know, there's, the, there's, there's these care right. homes where, where all these old people have been just been knocked off. You know, whether it's to, yeah. to to prevent having to pay their pensions or whatever. But there's literally mass murder going on right under people's nose, and they're saying to themselves, well, "Who's going to do something about it? What can I do about it?" And and here well, we go. You know, psych- psychologically, the effect is also to be so numb that you shut down. It can literally be happening in front of you, and you. You know, like the proverbial story of the thousands of people lined up to get into the cattle cars guarded by three Nazi soldiers. You know, why didn't they just overwhelm these three guys? But they couldn't because fear had them locked in. And also denial had them locked in. Well, we were just being sent to a, a safer place. Things will be fine, everyone. You know, people do that right to the moment that they're gassed. You know, and that's unfortunately a mass tendency. But the evidence is still there. And one thing I wanted to say. I want to talk about China because there was another item today, just today in the Toronto Star newspaper, which is a pretty conservative brag. Even they admitted that China is opening police stations across Canada. There's another five that just opened in Toronto. There's a whole bunch in Vancouver. And these are all over the world. And you probably have them in England even. You'd have to check it out. But definitely in North America and Australia were the, the two big targets of China. These are like under... Chinese jurisdiction, their own police operating in Canada, just like their own soldiers can under uh, Trudeau's Foreign Investment Protection Act. I mean, it, it's operating there. Chinese police operating under their own laws, right? I mean, what more proof do people need, right? Yeah, it's it's in your face now, isn't it? And and it's it's interesting yeah. to me that they that they announce it. You know, what, why why announce it? Why why not just let it happen without you know saying anything about it? Well. Uh, two things. They want to put their spin on it because people will know. They'll look at these Chinese, you know, Chinese cop shop and they'll start wondering and coming to their own conclusions. So before you allow people to come to their own conclusions, you've got to put your official spin on it. So they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, they're just helping us. Or, oh, yeah, I heard about the residential schools. They were just they just abused a few children. So always the official spin has to go in first. So people use their frame of reference, not their own. Yeah. And the second thing is to scare people. Say, aha, uh-huh, now look what we're doing. 
Oh, we just killed 10 of you in Saskatchewan. Oh, look, now that we're letting our Chinese buddies operate free in Canada. You better not protest. <laughs> you know how the Chinese deal with protesters and the Falun Gong, et cetera, right? Yeah, but there's big protests in China, right? You, you, I'm hearing lots of reports of, you know, big unrest in China. So it made me think about, you know, we've been talking about um, how all this Vatican money is moving across the across the Pacific to China. Well, if, if China's not quite as safe as, as they thought it was, you know, uh, uh, you hear a lot of accounts that China's the most brainwashed place in uh, on the whole planet, which is quite impressive when you think about England. But um, or Canada, yeah. <laughs> or America. But but, but if, if the Chinese are waking up, you know, if, if these big protests in China are, are, are kicking up, maybe, maybe you know the platform's not not so secure for for the Vatican coming across. Well, don't forget all of these countries that we mentioned. They've all had revolutions. They've had revolutionary pasts. You know, that's in our cellular memory, and it's triggered by things like this. The, the New York Times and the American press, and that are really reporting that, of course. Like wartime propaganda is the last you ever believe. Like every day there's a new story about Putin, like eating babies or <laughs> the equivalent, right? Um, the first casualty of war is the truth. Who said that? Some British war correspondent in the Crimean War. Uh, so what do you believe in the corporate media? Very little, but it does indicate stuff going on for sure. Yeah. Can we can we have a little bit more detail on, on Rio Tinto? There was a quote in your YouTube video, and I'll put a link uh in the description underneath of, of that video I'm talking about, uh, your most recent Kevin A. YouTube video. Uh, but it, the, the quote I've got was destroying archaeological sites and poisoning locals. Is the poisoning aspect like with the uranium that we've spoken about before? It's multiple. It's, yeah, uranium. Uh, the same thing happens in America on, on the Lakota land, South Dakota, um, where they do what's called in situ uranium mining where they, it's just an open pit. And a lot of the runoff from uranium mining is radioactive. So for example, all of the, the Sioux and the Lakota in that area, they're all dying of cancer. Every family has people with, you know, cancerous organs, same thing in, uh, in Australia and all over the world from the uranium mining, but it's also in jungle areas like Indonesia, they, 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 you know, use like Agent orange and other stuff from the Vietnam war. They just, defoliate the whole area even if there's native people living in it so all these people are dying from the defoliants there's no government regulation as a matter of fact there's cases where rio tinto hires the army in the indonesian army to go in and clear out the area for them they're on the payroll they put the general on the payroll and you know it's the same they're acting like the private army for rio tinto so i mean that's one slice of what they do right yeah it's it's uh it can get it down, can't it? Because it's everywhere, and it's the same tactic, and it's the same, and and they can keep on rolling this same template over. And it's it's. There was a big thing in Australia um, because this one of the sites they destroyed had the longest proven occupation of. Uh, it was a forty thousand year old archaeological site, which doesn't exist anywhere else in the world, of the indigenous people there, and they just went in. They knew it. There were lawsuits. There were protests. Boom! They just destroyed it. So it's like this 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 corporate mindless corporate machine that just eats everything up, and uh, and even traditional means of stopping that don't work. So I mean it's, you know I mean, it, it and the ties to China and the crown are are direct. Like I said, it kind of brings in the whole Charles Windsor aspect too, which is another piece here we we talked about before and how he's been served because of his connection to the death of those ten children and 
cantaloupes, right? Right, but let's 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 get specific on that once again yeah. because we we know right. we know that obviously it was uh, Philip and Elizabeth Windsor because they were the the direct uh, murderers of these children. Uh, Charles Windsor wasn't in Canada at the time, is that correct? He was, yeah. He we have information that he was directly involved because two of the children, according to sources. Uh, in the Netherlands and and other places, um, they say the two of the children were taken back to England. They weren't killed, and they were ritually sacrificed in the Ninth Circle Ceremony, Carnarvon Castle, October 30th, 1964, 20 days after the others were, were killed. Um, Carnarvon Castle is where Charles was coronated as Prince of Wales six years later. So it has important energetic significance. You know, he's done rituals there. It gives him the power to be, you know, quote, Wales. Um, and that Carnarvon Castle has been mentioned by Toast, Nienhaus, others who were taken there as children as a, as a, you know, as, as a hotspot for ritual sacrifices over centuries. So, so when, when those uh, bodies of the 10 children were found from 1964, uh, was, there, there was some missing from the 10 that were taken across? They were never found. Um, this is from there. There's two sources on that. There's the eyewitnesses who saw them disappear. Uh, and then there was a woman, uh, um, she, we, we brought her to the, I probably shouldn't mention the name. She's a police accredited psychic. We took her to the mush hole site and she literally pointed in the ground and said, dig there. And sure enough, we found bones. So she's very adept. And she, we took her out to dead man's Creek where the children vanished. And she said, I see them on a hill over there. They're, they're not all there, but their bodies are, are put in kind of a ritual manner, like the bodies are arranged ritualistically. And we know the place, but, I mean, what do you do? Like, the, 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 it's the same old dilemma, right? You go in there and start digging, and bang, you're arrested. People are too afraid to do it. So, yeah, they're likely still on the ground there, but we know that, too, she herself said they're not all there. And later, we're told that, yeah, two of them were taken to Carnarvon Castle. It, it all uh, boils down to energetics, doesn't it? You know, these 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 rituals and ceremonies are, are, are going to become increasingly um, important. I think in in discoveries or uh, revelations that, that are coming through. You know, these these buildings and these um, sacred sites that Christianity has put its churches and cathedrals on top uh, are these um, sort of interchange of energetic points all over the planet that you know like a like a circuitry current with electricity and and as as this um this awakening continues they they need to to put their mark on it right they need they need to uh you know blacken the copybook or whatever you want to say uh to to prevent those healthy Currents, circuits, uh, moving around from human to human, and so this this incident that we've started with today, this these another ten being the number, right? That uh, that completion number again in energetics uh, is, is another um, attempt to 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 dampen the, uh, right. the the rising energetics of of the the earth and 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 the the people of the earth, right? The the, the native um, Right. Well, that's why Welby is important to focus on because uh, 
if you draw a line, I've done this. Uh, we measured this. You you go to Dead Man's Creek in British Columbia where the 10 children were abducted and, and buried, according to the psychic. Um, and you draw a line, the latitude, it goes almost exactly onto Stonehenge in England. Okay. And uh, the whole thing at the mush hole and Justin Welby's rolling covering that up. He is a member of the ninth circle and these nine, 10 in Saskatchewan were killed ritualistically, you know? Uh, and he goes in there to, I mean, this could have been a direct order from his office to do this for the energetic reasons you're saying, and also to send that fear through the native community. So, I mean, Church of England, Crown of England, they're central to all this. That's why they're big investors in Rio Tinto, right? Yeah, that will be no coincidence whatsoever that that no. we call them ley lines or um, yeah. earth lines will we'll be right on that same uh, circuit channel as, as Stonehenge, right? But the, these, this big earth, earth, uh, circuitry that that you know make make the biggest difference just to keep it general on that and th- and then you get to children right so you know if if we're talking about um I, i've been doing a bit of study recently about the ancient egyptians they had they, they call it the ka body ka and and it's basically um a biofield it's it's an, an atmosphere mm. of each individual and and if you can uh build that into a, a healthy and uh robust state through childhood then it becomes a very, a very powerful, energetic, uh, spiritual uh, force, right? And and this is why the, the the children are so targeted. You know, you look at schools; they're basically concentration camps, high wire fences, mm-hmm. uniforms, mm-hmm. solitary confinement. There's even fingerprinting at lunch times over over this part of the world, and and the the uh, the dousing down, the the removal of of that healthy energetics from childhood then creates these psychopathic uh, tendencies and characteristics where people are trying to find their their, their source of, of healthy energy. You know, chi, the Chinese yeah. would call it prana, the Indians would call it spirit perhaps here in the West. So so rather than, than source it from their own um, means, they're, they're trying to uh, parasite it from other people because because they haven't been brought up in, in a healthy and... Um, wholesome way as as you know again indigenous native people this is why they are such a target too is because they remember the old ancient wisdom uh that, that combats this hideous well, and and so do we i mean it, it's just buried deeper in us but that's the point that we all have the natural access to that and that's why you got to keep people confused with the energy of the electronic grid all the time um so that's you know in the previous interview we did i mentioned that about you know, this latest technology with the operating through the iPads and, and other portable media is that it's directly interfacing neurons. And that's yeah. the, the whole point of the shot, of course, that when you set up this five point grid in the human body with the nano probes, the nanotechnology, you become a receiver. You become physically as well as psychologically integrated into a global machine. And at that point, it's game over unless you can cut the cord. And that, and that's why I think that that's got to be on the agenda of activists now. We've got to recognize that. And it's funny because whenever I mention this in meetings, people are called depressed, like, oh, my God, I'm dependent on my thing here. What am I going to do? Well, going cold turkey from the technology is fine, right? It, it, it's like any other comfort where we become dependent on it and we equate it with information and communication and all that. But, you know, life is so rich. 
and our, our communities and the people around us. It's so rich in the world. And we just have to get back into it and discover it again. And I think that that's part of what people are also waking up to, right? Yeah. I think before we close, Kev, we should mention um, this is a very interesting documentary uh, that's come out. I don't think I mentioned it last time, uh, called um, Died Suddenly. Yeah. And, and, and it's with coroners. Have you, have you seen it? And, and they're, they're showing exactly this coagulation of the blood, this congealment that is causing all these strokes and, and um, organs to shut down, et cetera, et cetera. Because it's basically these, uh, uh, the, the congealing of the blood. Uh, the, the, the coroners are pulling out these, these sort of black snakes almost out of people's veins that's, that's killed them. It's uh, it's a really revealing um, documentary, yeah. and, and a really interesting aspect of it. The, the bit that really caught my eye in it was how um, the the numbers of the the American military, the the U.S. military, is being hit hard, as harder than anybody in terms of a, a demographic. And and I think they said that if if ten percent, uh, if there was a death rate increase, mortality rate of ten percent, that would be you know off the scale in terms of. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, an obvious attack. It's up to forty percent with U.S. soldiers, and and the right. quote was I mean, they, they've, yeah. they've weaponized the health institutions. Yeah, but I mean, why wouldn't it be happening to us? We've done it to all these other people. Why wouldn't it blow back on us? I mean, so that's it's not surprising, um, but it, it's something that is like a springboard to what we do. Uh, that recognition should prompt people into action. But that's, again, like we talked about last time, the action and the organization and the alternative eludes a lot of people, uh, including a lot of activists. We're like floundering right now. There's a sense of floundering. Yeah, greater awareness, but where do we go with it? And um, and that's why, you know, when we do this grand jury investigation and the stuff on the ground in the new year, all of this has to be talked about. You know, it's got to be on the docket. And we've got to use it as a way to, okay, now, like the natives are doing, we will seize and shut down these churches. The Anglican Church, the Catholic, the United, they don't have the right to operate anymore. They're, and, our, and that's the other thing. On January 15th, it's not only the anniversary of the founding of the Republic in Canada, but it's the first anniversary of that court case that came out that gave people the warrants to seize the COVID drugs, to shut down big pharma, to seize their properties of all of the criminal actors, church, state, big money. So that's got to be our answer to what happened in Saskatchewan and what everything you're talking about. And the, the focus now is to be on how you mobilize and organize people to do that. Because otherwise, they get so overwhelmed with everything you know we've been talking about is that they'll just collapse into despair. And that's what, of course, the agenda is, a despairing, sick, dependent population. Well, for me, that's that's the good news, right? Because what what's happening is is that the the this this documentary, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and all the other evidence is is getting out to these uh, you know military characters, these these strong right. um, male warrior types who are beginning to increasingly question the chain of command and and looking at alternative sources of information and and coming together collectively to to join you know join our our, our side right to to oppose right, and that's, this turning that's all promising that's all promising and necessary but don't forget what i said a while ago the first thing you always see and i'm not saying the film does this but the whole issue the first thing they do is put out their own spin on it they create their frame of reference like sun tzu in the art of war you define the field of battle. They do that all the time. Defi- they're always defining the issue for us. So you have to say to, in ourselves, based on our own experience and evidence and common sense, 
what is the real issue? Let us define the narrative all the time, because otherwise we're de facto operating in their framework, their way of looking at the world. And that's once you do that, you're finished, right? It, it, made, it made me think of um, the English Civil War, as we speak about the 18, uh, yeah. 1640s, as, as we often mention, that you have the um, the parliamentary roundheads and you have the, um, the cavaliers of the, of the royals. But this this new model army becomes an independent, almost political body. And, and they're these, these you know, uh, um, fantastic warrior types yeah. who who are independent. They're, they're not following uh, a political change of, com- chain of command from the from the government, parliament, or, or from the uh, the right. palaces and the royals. And, and for me, it, it's perhaps getting to a point where this huge military uh, force of the world, the, the, the American military, is is perhaps breaking away from uh, Washington and the Pentagon, and and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, becoming much more worldly wise and independent. Yeah, that new model army analogy is excellent, and that's because don't forget it was the new model army that brought the king to trial and executed him and established the republic. Because the the uh, conservative parliament wanted to make terms with the king, they wanted to have a constitutional monarchy. And it was the people, because the army was far more representative than parliament. Parliament represented the wealthy grandees, right, um, and the landowners. But the, right. the people constituted the new model army. And um, they are they were fired by a vision. They believed very much that they were establishing Christ's kingdom on earth. Um, they, were, they were Bible revolutionaries. And they were few, just like the Bolsheviks were in the Russian Revolution. They had a clear ideology, a revolutionary ideology that said away with this whole system. We're establishing God's kingdom on earth. And the royalists couldn't beat that, you know. And, and that it's everything, like Napoleon says, in war, morale is five times more important than physical power. Yeah. Five to one, morale to the, to the material. And that's key. We've got to remember that all the time. And, and just to close that, your, your Sun Tzu phrase, one of, one of your favorite ones where, you know, if people are backs to the walls, they've got nothing to lose, then, then they, they fight like rats in a bag, right? And, and you know, here, here we are. This, this is where we're at. This, you know, people are becoming much more uh, passionate and, and uh, enthused. Right? right. And a final quote, the one I also I love from Napoleon is he says, um, a bad general sees too many things. I always keep my eyes on the main body of the enemy. Right. So you can't get confused by all these things. Who is the enemy? What do we need to overcome them? How do we go about doing it? Like we always have to keep that center in our mind. And, and on that point, is, is, it, is it sensible for people to to target their local community or, or to, you know, we're talking here about Archbishop of Canterbury's and, and you know, presidents and monarchs and this kind of thing. You know, should people be looking at their council locally or looking at their yes. um, their health center locally and saying, look, you guys are on notice for, for the crimes you've committed here. That's what we do. Uh, we always focus in building up the Republic on the local power base. Uh, so for example, uh, we go into the town council and say, you've got to nullify tax exemptions at Catholic church or we throw you out at the next election. That has much more of an impact than a protest about a big issue. You can't aim too high. You have to talk high but your practical action on the ground has to be very localized because that's where people's power is in their community. And that's what we organized first. So yeah, very much. And therefore Saskatchewan, you know, everybody of Saskatchewan need to start asking these big, these important questions about who's responsible for, for, for these 10 murders, right? 
and, and help us make the arrests and help us, you know, bring these people to justice. That's how we start right there and get your local town councils all over Saskatchewan to nullify the tax exemptions for the Anglicans, the Catholics, the United, like we've been saying all along. So, yeah, that's how you motivate this revolution, right? <laughs> okay, okay. Great, Janikov. Great to talk. Okay. See you next time. Thanks, brother. See Cheers, you later. Skipper. Take care.